Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Sozo, how's everybody doing this morning? Come on, how's everybody doing this morning? You know, I have to just just stop for a minute and uh, and just just point out that it's a new year, which means congratulations, everyone, on perfect church attendance for 2022. You guys did it! You guys did it! Come on! I do have to say, I think you're the best looking service of all this entire year. You guys worship better than any other services ever worshiped this whole year. That's it. That's all my dad jokes for the day. Um, real fast, uh, it is a new year, and so uh, with the new year comes apparently uh, a new stage design. <laughs> um, did anybody notice? Um, it's a little different. Um, so, so let me just real fast do two things. Um, thank John and the team that put all this together. Can we, can we give it up for them? They were here all week uh, working. But let me also explain why we did this. Um, uh, we, we did this because uh, a while back, your elders, in one of our elders meetings, we, we began to seek the Lord on uh, what we were to do with this whole live stream thing. Uh, you know, we, we sort of took on the idea of, of uh, what we called originally Sozo at Home uh, during that thing that happened a few years ago. Uh, we don't want to talk about that anymore. Um, so that, that happened, and we sort of took on this, this live stream, this, this Sozo at Home thing, and and we've sort of kept it going because we know there are still people at home. And, and as, as many of you are coming back, and, and we, we, like we said, we, we're calling everybody back. Amen? It's time to be in church. It's time to gather together. We understand if you have health concerns, if you have those things that keep you away, we're not, we're not talking to you. We're talking to those people who just have gotten used to watching uh, church on a screen. Come on, watching, watching, watching me preach in their pajamas. It's awkward for everybody except for you. Um, so uh, we're, we're talking to those. We're welcoming everybody back. But we began to pray and seek the Lord as to... Uh, what we ought to do regarding live streaming. Um, we are committed as, as an eldership, therefore we are committed as a church uh, to do everything God has asked us to do and nothing else. <laughs> Amen? Uh, so we began to seek the Lord, and we, we felt uh, very strongly that it was, it was right and good in his direction for us to continue live streaming, and so we made the decision, okay, if we're going to do that, we want to get better at it. Amen? Um, we, we, we think that, uh, that our way of doing it is better than our way of not doing it, until our way of not doing it, until our way of doing it is just an excuse to not do it. We track along with that. So we want to get better. And so, so one of the things that we've learned as we sort of dive, as we dive into this whole thing is that uh, there were some changes needed made to our stage to make the live stream uh, look better. So hence the black background, unless they put colors back there. And then it looks like the background I stood in front of for every one of my childhood pictures in elementary school. Um, and I say that as a compliment because I think it's awesome. Um, so uh, yeah, we're, we're excited. We're, we're happy. Um, and uh, know that, that if you are still at home, uh, we are seeking to make your experience there even better. Amen? Awesome. Uh, on top of that, so we have a new year. We have a new platform design. We also are launching into a new series, you could probably guess, because that was a different video than you're used to watching. Um, uh, we're going to call it a mini-series. Any other church would just call it a series, but here, if it's less than a year, it's a mini-series. 
Um, so we're, we're taking a little, a little trip outside of John uh, just for the next five weeks uh, as we explore what it means to be people of his presence. I think it's, I think it's good at, at, as the new year comes around to kind of stop and take, a, take an inventory of our lives. I think that's a good thing to do. Um, I made a New Year's resolution years ago uh, to never make another New Year's resolution, and so far I've kept it. So I don't make New Year's resolutions because I suck at keeping them. Um, but, but we do believe it's a good time, right, to kind of stop and, and, and look and say, who, who is it that God's called me to be, and am I, am I walking in the fullness of all that God has called me to do and be? And we wanted to do that as a, as a people. And here's what you may or may not realize if you're new or visiting or just kind of new to Sozo. This, this house, this church, this company of people has a heritage, has a legacy of, of being a place where God makes his presence known to the people that gather here. And, and here's what I need you to understand. If, if you, whether you're, you've been here for 40, 50 years, yes, hello, there are people that have been here for 40 or 50 years. There are people that have been here longer than that. Um, but, but whether you've been there here that long or whether this is your first Sunday, but God's calling you here, here's what I need you to understand. You have an inheritance in that carrying the presence of the Lord, in engaging in the presence of the Lord. And what I, why I say an inheritance is because it's something that somebody else has done the work for that all we have to do is maintain it. I, I like inheritance, right? Anybody ever gotten inheritance? It's wonderful. It's, 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 it's a gift for somebody, who else who, somebody else who worked, somebody else who labored, and you are joined with them in covenant. You are joined with them as family, and therefore you receive of what they have done. And so we've received that. And so we want to just, we want to be good stewards, amen, of what the Lord's given us as it relates to engaging in the manifestation of his presence. So we're going to be taking some time to look specifically and explore uh, uh, the book of Exodus, and we're going to be diving into that and see what it means to, to really be delivered by God, to be a people delivered by God, delivered out of slavery, delivered to himself, delivered through the wilderness, delivered into the fullness of his promises. And so uh, I'll say more about that here in a little bit. But if you've got a Bible, let's go to Deuteronomy. Yes, I said Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. If you're wondering where it is, it's on page 182 in my Bible. If that helps anybody, it doesn't. All of you are like, what's a Bible? It's on my phone. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet for the reading of God's word as we turn our attention uh, to Deuteronomy chapter four. We're going to start in verse 20. We're going to read a lot of Bible this morning. I got a lot to do this morning, so I'm going to ask you to listen good so I can talk good. Um, Deuteronomy chapter four, we're going to read verse 20, then we're going to jump, uh, jump ahead here. It'll, it'll track along on the screens. You can, you know, jump along with us here. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse 20 says this, but the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt to be a people of his own inheritance as you are this day. Next, we've got Deuteronomy chapter four. Let's go jump ahead to verse 37. We're going to read through verse 39 says this, and because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you into, to bring you in, to give you their land for an inheritance as it is this day. Know therefore today and lay it on your heart that the Lord 
is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. Now let's really fast forward and go all the way to chapter 7 and verse 6. These, are, these verses have been just stirring in my spirit this week. I'm excited to read them to you and, and look at them together. 7, 6 says, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you are more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping his oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of, of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now let's jump to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. You don't have to go there. We're just going to read one verse. Here's what it says. It says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 it says this, it says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is, freedom. come on, there is, freedom. come on, there is freedom. freedom. And then uh, the, the, the verses we'll be spending some time in today, first Peter two, nine through 12, but you are a chosen race. Are you hearing where, where, where Peter gets these la this language? I want you to see if you can hear it. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Church, let's pray together. Let's thank God for his word this morning. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. God, we praise you for your word. We give honor and glory and power and, and dominion to you because you speak to us. And so we come today, God, asking that you would breathe life upon your word. Let us hear the whisper of your word in the midst of your word. God, give us ears to hear and hearts to hear that which you would whisper to us. Give us the ability, the capacity, the, the, the gift of hearing you. Let what we hear, God, not be, not be muffled, not be filtered, not be edited, but let it, let it bypass all of those things and find a place in our heart. And as it finds a place in our heart, we, we pray that it would find good soil in our hearts. Good soil that it might go deep within the fiber of our being, setting out roots, setting out, setting out little growths that would change and alter and shift the way we perceive and process. Transform us, God, by the renewing of our minds. Wash our minds, God, in the water of your word. 
I, I come today, Lord, and, and say, I need to be brainwashed. I need my brain washed. I need my, I need my soul cleansed so that I can, I can think rightly and I can pursue you properly. Let us be transformed, God. Let us leave this place different than when we came in. We believe that you can transform us in an instant. And we thank you for that. Let us leave this place walking, talking, thinking like you. That the world might receive the answer to its groanings, the revealing of the sons of God in the earth, and they might glorify you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Go ahead and greet somebody for the first time this year and grab a seat. Amen, amen. It's a good day to be in the house. Um, I do just have to say one more thing. Somebody said this to me, and it, it, ruined, it ruined this year already for me, and misery loves company, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if it ruins it for you. Uh, somebody said 2022, 2020, two, it sounds like the sequel to 2020, and I responded, that's a movie I don't want to see. Uh-huh. Come on, it's a new day, amen? It's a new year. Um, this morning, if you're taking notes, I hope you are. Uh, you heard it in the, in the video at the beginning, but we're, we're speaking this morning under the heading, we are set free to pursue him. Now, now I, I wanna, you, you probably picked up on it. We didn't, I said we're looking at Exodus and then we didn't read any of Exodus. Um, I just wanna be clear. Uh, we're not, this is not our, gonna be a normative type of series for us. Normally, the bread and butter around here is we read verse by verse, chunk by chunk. We exegete passages. That's what we do, Amen. Occasionally, we'll do something a little bit different, and this is going to be one of those little bit different. Uh, this, this, what we're doing is looking at Exodus sort of as a backdrop, if you were, as a springboard to look at the reality of the freedom that Christ has brought to us. Um, I get that we can do this uh, two places in the New Testament. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. And then more specifically, Paul even unpacks that more in Romans 15, uh, in Romans 15 verse uh, 4, uh, where it says this, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. So, so what we need to understand is there's, there's this mindset, I've heard this before. Well, the Old Testament is, is the Jewish book. It's, it's the, that's the scriptures of the Jews. And the New Testament is the, the scriptures of the Christian. That is not true. The whole thing is ours. Okay? All that was written in the Old Testament, all of the stories, all of the account that was written there was written, please hear me, to issue a warning to believers to instruct in teaching for believers, and to impart hope to believers. So we're looking at Exodus with that lens, with that understanding, with that mindset. No, this is not going to be every single verse read, every single thing. No, we're going to sort of hit the highlights, sort of hit the main points here, and, and look through this as we, as we go. You good with that? 
Okay, I have a lot to do this morning. Uh, one exciting thing about this series that, that I'm excited about, and I know you are too, even though you don't know you are, is that you're going to get to hear from several of your elders in this series as we look at what it means to be a people of his presence. So uh, it's on me to sort of lay out the, the majority of, of the kind of framework for the whole thing. So here's what we're going to do. I, I, I want to I bless you this morning. Who wants to get blessed this morning? How many of you, uh, you no, none of you ever go to McDonald's? Um, but, uh, but, but if you ever do, how many of you always supersize it? Come on. We always supersize it. That's the good stuff, right? Like who doesn't want more magic fries? I'm, I'm just, it's, it's just a miracle to me. Fries. I think, I think McDonald's French fries, Krispy Kreme donuts, and the breadsticks at Olive Garden have the same magic dust in them because they're, they are, listen, they're, they're like magically, wonderfully, beautifully delicious when they're hot and fresh, and you wouldn't use them as packing material when they're cold. I don't know how they do that, but they do. Um, so we love supersize. We like, we like more. So here's what I'm going to do for you this, this morning. I'm going to supersize your message. You get two sermons for the price of one. All you have to do is listen twice as long. Um, so, uh, so here's what I need to do. I, I want to, I want to look at Exodus, and I want to look at Exodus under the lens of how God makes his people free. Here's what I, here's, here's, I'm just going to, I'm just going to let you know where I'm going this morning. I, I need you to understand, listen, how free you are in him. My goal this morning is not to make you free. My goal this morning is to make you realize that you already are free. I'm talking to Christians this morning, I'm talking to believers this morning. I want to I want to liberate you from thinking that you have to dredge up some sort of willpower, self-strength, discipline to get free. That is not what the scriptures teach. The scriptures teach that God is the one who frees us. Amen. And we see that beautifully in Exodus. So what I want to do is I want to look at Exodus real quick. I want to overview the whole thing and see that sermon one. I want to overview the whole thing show you how Exodus is this beautiful picture of also what Christ has accomplished for us. And then I want to I ask, ask the question, why is it that God has made us free? What, what's the use of our freedom? So let's, let's do this review real fast. So here's what we see. We see in the book of Exodus, it starts off with the people enslaved. This is true of them and it's true of us. It's true of them. They were enslaved in Egypt. It's true of us. We are, we are born, our initial birth is born enslaved to sin, the scriptures tell us. I love in, in, in 1 Peter, it says that once we had not received mercy, amen, now we have received mercy. So they were a people enslaved, whether it's in Egypt or to sin. Next, we see that God, God sends a deliverer. A deliverer is sent by God. And I love this. He, he, in both cases, he sends a message and he brings deliverance. So he delivers a message and he brings deliverance. For them, it was Moses. For us, it's Jesus, a better Moses. Amen? So God brings deliverance. Next, we see this and, and, and track with me on this. I'll have to take a little bit longer on this one. God, God, by his own power, by his own authority, by his own might, by his own will, he delivers the people. He doesn't come and tell the people to be free so they need to rise up and fight for their own freedom. No, he says, I'm coming to deliver you. Specifically, we see an amazing parallel in three specific ways that God delivers his people. First, he triumphs over, over demonic evil, over evil in the unseen realm. You, you may or may not realize this. If, you, if, you know, if you're familiar with the Egypt story, you know that, that, uh, that Moses rises up and goes to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh first chooses to harden his own heart, then God seals it by hardening it even more. The track that you see in the, in the book of, of, of Exodus. 
And so what God does is he sends plagues and we read these and just see them as really sort of gross, weird, nasty stuff that happens, right? Like the Nile turns to blood and there's, there's frogs and there's all these ultimately culminating in, in the firstborn uh, of, every, of everyone dying. What we don't realize as, as American readers that read with a, a filter on when we read the Bible, we don't have the benefit of understanding that every one of those plagues specifically attacked, specifically went up against one of the many gods of Egypt. What God was doing, what Yahweh was doing was, was publicly declaring, I have authority over all of these things. Now we can say, oh, they're just kind of pretend, they, they just worshiped fairy tales and fables. Beloved, that's actually not true. There was real, come on, unseen supernatural evil at work in Egypt. If you don't believe me, just listen to this. At one point, this evil led Pharaoh to murder all of the baby boys ever born to the people of God in the, in the, in, that were born in captivity in Egypt. If that's not evil, friends, I don't know what is. So God triumphs over them. Here's the cool part. Did you know Jesus does the same thing? Colossians 2.11 says that he, he triumphs and makes a public spectacle of evil as well. So the same way God by his own power delivers us, triumphing over supernatural evil. Next we see in the Passover, which was the, the way that, that Israel didn't lose their firstborn. They were to sacrifice a lamb and to put its blood on their doorposts. We see that same picture in Christ, our Passover lamb, amen? And as his blood is applied to us, death passes over us and life is ours instead. And last but certainly not least, they travel, they go through the Red Sea. A beautiful picture according to Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 10:2 of baptism, where God, come on, drowns all of your enemies. All of the things that try to pull you back to your old way of life get drowned in the waters of baptism where we are buried with him. Come on, church. And we are raised again to newness of life. So God delivers by his own power. Next, we see that they corporately encounter God. In Exodus, they're, they're brought to Mount Sinai, where God speaks to all of them, where God's voice thunders from amidst the top of the mountain. In the New Testament, we see the same thing where, where, where Jesus ascends, he brings a people and immediately, come on, we have, we have Acts chapter two, Pentecost, the upper room where the Holy Spirit descends. What's an amazing thing about these things, here's a fun little, little correlation that you may not realize is there. God brings his law on Mount Sinai. The people don't keep that law even in the beginning, even after they agree to it, even after they say, sign us up for that, that Moses goes back up the mountain and immediately they rebel. And because of that judgment comes and 3000 people die at the giving of the law. Fast forward to the new Testament, to the new covenant, to the, to the coming of the spirit. And guess what happens? Pentecost happens and 3000 people get born again. Do you see what God's doing? Do you see the connection that he's hap that's happening here? The rebellion of the people of God, to, the rebellion of people to, to go against God in Babylon, he, he disperses them by muddling up their languages. Pentecost, what does he do? He brings all their languages back to one. They stand on the top of this, of this building in the upper room and they're all, they're all speaking in tongues and two miracles take place. First miracle, they can speak in other languages. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? They were a bunch of, of backwater hillbillies and everyone's freaking out down below going like, how do these dudes, come on, who just normally just play their banjo, 
How do they, somehow, are they able to speak fluently our language? So first, they could speak a language. But do you, you know there's a second miracle that takes place? There's 120 of them, and the fact that anybody down there can understand anything that's being said is also a miracle. And so God, God does this amazing thing in the, in the coming, uh, in his deliverance of his people. Next we see this, that God leads his people. After he's delivered them out, he doesn't just leave them delivered, but he leads them. In Exodus, he leads them by the pillars, the pillar of clouds and the pillar of fire. For us, he leads us, come on, by his abiding presence, by his Holy Spirit living within us. We are to be led by the Spirit. Either way, it's God. The Bible actually tells us that it was God in that cloud. It was God in that fire. Next, a place is built, a place is established. They, they build a place where they can exalt God and encounter God. For them, it was the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. For us, it's the church, the assembly of the saints. God's teaching us how to build this, amen? And then we see toward the end, a people, this worshiping people, begin to take possession of the land. For them, it was the promised land. For us, it's the entire earth, amen? Go into how much of the world? All the earth and do what? Preach the gospel, make disciples. What happens when we preach the gospel, we make disciples, the church is established. What happens when a church is established? The kingdom comes. So we see the same pattern. Are you, you, you jiving with me here? This is, this is the basic pattern. So by his full and finished and final work, Jesus has set you free. That's where Christians say amen. So I, I want you to see this. The, 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 what, what Paul tells us in the New Testament is, is the reason why God had the, the story of Exodus written down was so you and I can read it and go, God has delivered me. It's not so you can read it and go, this would make, you know, you know what this would make? This would make a great digital cartoon played out by vegetables. You know what we should do? We should, we should dress up our kids in bathrobes and make them pretend to do this on stage in front of the church. We should make drawings of this on flannel and put it on a flannel board. Oh, you know, no, this is, this is to, to help us be morally upright people. No, all of the Old Testament is yours as a believer so you can read it and go, look how good God is. So I want you to see that, yes, I know it seems odd. As you read Exodus, I want you to go, man, Jesus has delivered me. He has made me free. But I want us to, to when we do that, to stop and say, why? Why is it that he set me free? What's, what's the purpose of my, is it just so I can be free? Or is there some deeper purpose, some deeper meaning behind it? And for that, I want to go back and read the Bible again because we all love the Bible. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12. That was your first sermon. You're welcome. Here's your second one. 1 Peter. Come on, I preached an entire book of the Bible to you. That was pretty good. That was, I thought that was really good, Mark. You did great. Thanks. Appreciate that. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. 
How, 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 many, how many saints do we have in the room that remember the King James? How, how many remember what that is in the King James? I, love, I, wish, I wish we could just go back to him. A peculiar people. That's what it says. For his own possession. No, 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 no. A peculiar people. That's more true of us than any other church in town. Amen? <laughs> I've said it before. I'll say it again. Island of misfit toys. You are a chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for his own, a peculiar people that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. It messes with your mind, your will, and your emotions. It distorts your inner being. Verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Here's here's what I want you to see. Second sermon. Why are you free? You are free to belong to God. You are free to be with God. And you are free to bestow praises to God. That, did you, do, I, know, I know I'm moving quick because I'm, I'm preaching two sermons on one Sunday. Did, did you see in the Old Testament all of this verbiage about deliverance? And did you see where Peter just ripped off the Old Testament and all of his verbiage about who we are? So he's, he's, he's connecting freedom, the freedom given to us by Jesus to who we are now. You are, you are free to belong to him. You are free to be with him. You are free to bestow upon him praises. You are free to belong to God. I love the, I love just how blunt Peter says it. Now you are God's people. Hear me, hear me now, hear me now and remember it later. He doesn't say, now if you behave properly, you belong to God. He doesn't say now, he says you are all these things. You're a, holy, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. Come on, you're peculiar, but you, you belong to him. As long as you do all those things, you belong to him. No, no, no. He simply says you belong to him. Now you belong to God. He says you are a chosen race. He bought you and he brought you to himself. Chosen race. How do you belong? I, I read this to you in Deuteronomy. Because he chose you. So what, why, how do I belong to God? Why do I belong to God? Because he chose you. Why did he choose me? Deuteronomy 7, 6-8. Because he loves you. Can, 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 I, can I take off the pastor hat for a minute and just talk to you for just one second? And just confess something to you? I, 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 get, I, get, I get Christians. I, I get... Help me, Lord. I get people who say they're Christians who get mad at me for telling Christians that God loves them. Why are we so opposed to what the Bible says about us? Can, can I, can I just, can I just, can, can we just go there again real fast? It's not on the screen. Don't worry about it. Just listen. Do, do, how many of y'all understand that the New Testament is the New Covenant is better than the Old Covenant? 
right? Like, like new, 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 better. Okay, this isn't hard to understand, right? Like this, shouldn't, this shouldn't be like, this shouldn't require some sort of seminary level degree to get that like the new covenant that replaced the old covenant is superior to the old covenant. The new, it's better, okay? But we're reading out of flipping Deuteronomy. We're not even to like David who loved the Lord and played his little harp. Like, right, we're, we're, in, we're in one of the books that some of y'all who just started, some of y'all, some of y'all just started your, I'm going to read the Bible this year, and you're going to get to Deuteronomy, and you're going to give up. You're going to be like, I can't do it anymore. You're like, I got through Leviticus. That was hard. It was weird. And now I'm back in another book, and it's just a bunch more weird stuff. We're in Deuteronomy. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possessions out of all the people who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you, are, you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were fewer. You were the fewest of all peoples. So it says he, he loved you and he chose you. Why? Verse 8. But it was because he loves you and is keeping his oath that he swore to your fathers. I love this, and I hope you do, and I know I'm going to fail to communicate this, and I hope you can catch what I'm saying because I can't teach you what I'm saying because I don't know how to say it. God loves you because God loves you. How good is our God that he doesn't say, I love you because you're lovely. He just says, I love you. Why do you love me, God? Because I love you. I chose to love you. What made you choose to love me? My choice to love you. You belong to him because he looked down and not because you added value to him, but just because he went, man, I love them. I, I love them. And when he saw you in bondage, he said, that's not going to do. I got to set them free so they can belong to me. They're, they're, they're stuck. Oh, come on. They're stuck in some system with all these other little gods, these other little evil things in the unseen realm. They can't see it, but they're being controlled, manipulated by all these things. I'm going to set them free so they can belong to me, not belong to all those other little things down there. Other nations, other people. Yep, they can, they, yep, yep, that's fine. But don't, mine. Angel walks up. Why are you doing that? I just love them. Why? Because I love them. And the angel's head exploded. I love this. You're a chosen race. You, you were chosen by him. Why? Because he loves you. John 15, 16. We'll get to this in later in the year, right? Remember, Jesus says this. Remember, you did not choose me. I chose you. He's the picker. Not you. You, you might, listen, listen. You might think you picked Jesus, but he's just so good at picking you that you think you picked him. <laughs> chosen race. A race. I love this. Your ethnic distinction. Listen, listen. I need you to put on your listening ears. Your ethnic distinction is a gift from God. It's beautiful. It's how he made you. We should, we should, we should rejoice in it. Amen? But it is not the most important thing about you anymore. Before you're in Christ, it can be the most... You can pick... Listen, outside of Jesus, if you are outside Christ, you can pick whatever stupid thing you want and make it your entire identity. That's fine. Once you're in Christ, you're a chosen race. You belong to him. 
In, look, look, in reality, w- without, without denying, diminishing, or belittling any ethnic distinction, the reality is, underneath all of it, there's two races. In Adam and in Christ. That's it. So we say it this way. Jesus ought to unite us more than anything divides us. Amen? Royal priesthood. Belong to this. So I'm talking about belonging to him. You belong to God. Belong to God to be a royal priesthood. Royalty, priesthood. Royalty represented God to the people. The priesthood represented the people to God. He says you do both of those things. A holy nation. What does holy mean? Come on, we've taught this. What does holy mean? Otherly. You are an otherly nation. <laughs> you are not a nation like any other nation because you are, you are a people made up of all nations. And yet we are not ultimately loyal. Somebody, 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 I love you, somebody with a concealed carry permit and a rifle rack in the back of your truck needs to hear this. You are not to primarily be loyal to this nation. You are primarily to be loyal to the kingdom. I love you. We are a holy and otherly nation. We belong to him like nobody else. Next, you are free to be with him, a people for his own possession, a peculiar people. He didn't just buy you so he can be like, yeah, I have that. He bought you so you can be with him. You belong to him so you can be with him, so that you can know, come on, the tenderness of his presence. So you can abide and rest in the full assurance of just how good he is. I love this word, actually. People for his own possession, this peculiar people. Greek lesson. This, 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 this idea is actually this word, a people of his own possession, or what, what the King James, New King James says, a peculiar people. It's peripoiesis. The meaning underneath it is this something that belongs exclusively to one person. To put it another way, to put it in the context of the verse, it's one who belongs exclusively to another. It was used of the personal, listen, of the personal assistant, the personal servant of somebody. Somebody who was with them all the time. Somebody who was there with them in an intimate way. Somebody who knew them intimately and who was able to, yes, serve and yes, be alongside. But what I need you to get is, is the only way you're able to do that is if you are with them. If you are with him. God is calling you to not only belong to him, but to be with him. I had this this conversation with the Lord this week. Didn't Israel belong to God even when they were in Egypt? It's not like they they ceased. There was even a distinction in the nation. They, They knew they're Egyptians, they're Israelites, They had different jobs. They had different cultures. They were distinct amongst the people. Couldn't God have just done everything he did, listen, and just left them in Egypt? Couldn't he have given them his law? Couldn't he have established all of these things? Couldn't he have called them to worship in this way? Couldn't he have have committed them to all of these things? Certainly he could have. 
But see, it wasn't enough for God to just say, hey, I want you to belong to me. He says, no, no, I'm not satisfied unless you can be with me. Do you realize that the Bible says that God is jealous for you? He wants you to be with him. He refused to leave He refused to leave Israel in Egypt. He refuses to leave you under the control, under the dominion of any evil, wicked, sinful thing. Because it wars against your soul. Your soul is your mind, your thinking faculties, your your emotions, your feeling faculties, and your will, your decision-making ability. When you live as a child of God, still in sin, it doesn't stop you from being a child of God, it just stops you from living like one. From getting any of the benefits of it. All you get is, 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 is shame. All you get is, 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 is your mind being warped and twisted. And Peter is encouraging them, I'm trying to encourage you to be free because you are free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. You belong to him so that you can be with him, not be with other things. Verse 11 warns us of this, not to wander back into bondage. You are free to serve the Lord. Amen? You don't, here's what I need you to understand. We'll move on. You don't have to get free to be with him. You have to be with him in order to be free. Somebody needs to catch that. Because religion's told you your whole life, if you can get free, then you've earned the right to be with him. But the gospel says the only way to be free is to be with him. Which means at the moment of temptation, at the moment of, of, of an inkling, at the moment where, 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 where you're thinking about turning around and going back, the answer is not to not turn around and go back. The answer is to keep pressing into him. Uh, C.S. Lewis says it this way in, in, in Chronicles of Narnia in, in, in uh, the last battle. He says, go further up and further in. They're, they're curious about what's happening back in the place where they came from. And the invitation is not, let me explain to you what's going on back there. The invitation is further up and further in. There, there's, listen, beloved, there's more waiting for you up there. Don't worry about that. Keep moving forward. Do you know if you keep moving forward, you'll never move backwards? I had a young couple ask me recently. Found out my wife and I have been married for 22 years. I said, how did you stay married for 22 years? I said, we never got divorced. Keep going, just keep going, just keep going. Lastly, you are free to bestow praises. Proclaiming the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness, come on, and into his marvelous light. The excellencies are his beauty, his majesty, his power, his glory, his awe, his wonder. You are to declare the goodness of God you are to declare the goodness of the one who won your freedom. 
can I just say this? It is right and good for us to sing songs about being saved. Like, like I, I, never, I, I never get sick of singing about the cross. I had a super cool hipster worship friend of mine, worship pastor friend of mine, like, I think the church needs to find new language because I, I think it's, it's grotesque that we keep singing about the cross. And I looked him dead in the eyes and said, you're an idiot. <laughs> I think we need more songs about the blood. I think we need more songs about the cross because I, I walk into a church every morning and look at people dead in the eyes that don't believe that they're set free. <laughs> and the only thing that sets you free is the blood. <laughs> Not you're trying, not you're working, not you're striving, not you're pushing, not you're grunting, not your, your, your best effort. Just him. Bondage hinders our praise, for it dulls our senses to his presence and to his goodness. Again, it wars against our soul. He delivered them so they could worship He could have, again, he could have required worship in Egypt, amen? God could have said, I want, I want the same type of worship from you when you're still in bondage. But he said, no, 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 I'm going I'm to give you some fuel for your worship. He could request, it was right for him to request it, demand it, not giving them fuel. But how good is our God? He gives them the fuel. He gives us the fuel. He sets us free. What I need us to see is that there is an expression of worship only possible when we know we are free. I'm going to say that again. There is an expression of worship only possible when you know that you are free. The, the bondage of sin and shame puts a lid on your worship. It doesn't, it doesn't need to, but it does. If you're second-guessing your acceptance, you'll hesitate to enter into his praise. Because I, I, don't, I don't... If you still think that you're, that you're not free, if you're still believing your behavior more than his declaration over you, come on, then when it comes time to worship, when it comes time to praise, when it comes time to engage in his goodness, you'll hesitate because you're not sure if you're going to be accepted, you'll, you'll, what, what, can I really, can I really step in? Can I really be with him? Will he really accept me? If you fear judgment because of your sin, you'll put on a performance instead of worshiping. I said something, a, 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 I think it was a little over a year ago that got me in trouble because I didn't preface what I said, which I don't, like prefacing what I say, because if you get offended, I think that just helps you wrestle through stuff better. Um, you're welcome. Um, but I said, God hates your mask, but he loves your face. And people thought I was talking about masks. <laughs> I'll leave it up to you whether God hates those or not. I don't care. Um, My point had nothing to do with a mask we wear to try to, you know, that's not what I'm talking. I'm talking about the fake faces we put on that we think impress God. God hates those. And simultaneously, he loves your real face. He hates the performance you put on for him. 
but he loves it when you authentically worship him. My grandpa's still alive, so I can talk about him. Um, my, my, I remember being in church. I've shared this story before. My, my grandma was the organ player at, at the Nazarene church that they were a part of. And so she would be up playing organ, and we'd be singing from a hymnal. Can I get an amen? The people who sang from hymnals, come on. Um, and we'd be, we'd be holding our little books, and we'd be singing along. And I, I, remember, I, I remember looking up and realizing my, my grandpa's... W- w- <laughs> He used to be 6'3", now he's about 5'11", because um, he's like almost 100 years old. And, uh, and, and, and I, 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 re- I was a little kid at the time, and I looked up, and he wasn't singing. And so I asked him, I said, Grampy, why aren't you singing? And he said, son, that wouldn't glorify God. <laughs> and, and here's what I need to just tell you, and I've told him this, he's wrong, you're wrong. Here, here's one thing I love about church. We can come together and even if you suck at singing, we all come together and do it, and it's beautiful to the Lord. Amen? God doesn't need your perfect performance. Come on. Now, let me preface this, because I don't want Lindsay to get, to get bombarded. You need to be able to sing to be up here. <laughs> the bar's not very high. It's only as good as me, apparently. So it's not like, I mean, even if you smoke two packs a day for several years, you can still be up here. But... Um, But the point is when we gather together, he loves the sound of your praises. He loves it when you lift up your voice and thank him. He loves it when when somebody who's leading worship says, let's just sing a song, just sing your own song to him. Even when it's, even, even, I love you. Even when it sounds stupid, he loves it. Even when you're like, you're better than chicken nuggets. Like he's like, great, thank you. I am better than chicken nuggets. Even when you don't know what to say, come on, and all you can say is like, God, you're holy, you're holy, you're holy. Man, I, I wish I got something new to say. The angels have been singing that for eternity. God loves it when you sing. But when we're, when we're, in, when we're, when we're living, come on, under the bondage of, of, of shame, when we're, when, we're, when, we're, when we're drawing back to the thing that God has already delivered you out of, you start to put on a performance. This is why there's a lid on your worship. And if you're insecure, if you have not found who you are in him, you will, you will reserve your true expression of praise. And here's what I need you to understand. God wants you, as his people, to boldly come into his presence. Come on, to boldly come into his presence, to be who he's called you to be, to give him the full measure of who you really are, to stand arms wide, eyes open, face pointed to him, me and all of my wrinkles, warts, and, and, and all. Here I am, beloved before you, climbing into the lap of Abba just to worship. And here's what I, I just want to point this last thing. He says that we should do this. Peter tells us we should do all this so that the world can see it and recognize that the kingdom has come. It says when, when the day of visitation happens, can you please, please do me one favor. Can you please stop putting that into the book of Revelation? Can you realize Peter's not talking about that? He's saying when God visits them, when their day of visitation comes, it will be because 
because a people of God, come on, have sung the praises of God and the kingdom of God has invaded when they do that. Do you realize that when you sing, church, do you realize when you sing, heaven comes to earth? Every time we get a peek into the kingdom, every time we get a peek into eternity, what is it bathed in? Encountering and exalting who God is. So what should be the distinguishing mark of our body life together? Encountering God and exalting him for who he is. I pray that that is the distinguishing factor of us as a people in every area as we fellowship with one another, that we would see God and exalt him because of the, 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 the community that we're able to have with one another. I hope you're able to build relationships in this house that make you thank God for them, that make you see God in them. I pray that as we worship, you encounter his presence and exalt him. I pray that as the word is taught here, that we see God clearly and it causes worship to rise up in us as we respond and as we take communion, as we serve our city. I pray that we would see God, come on, and sing his praises. That you would taste and see that the Lord is good. And that from that seeing it, that that you would allow your joy to be made full by declaring just how good he is. Come on, church. As a church, as an assembly of saints, let's go Greek, as 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 the as the as the Kaleo Ecclesia, the called out ones gathered together. That that church, that assembly, that that ecclesia, the Kaleo Ecclesia, that, that thing is an outpost of heaven. It's an it's it's an embassy. Anybody traveled overseas and had to go to an embassy? It's, it, it, an embassy is literally your country in a foreign land. You cross that threshold and you are back in your country. You are back in America. Nothing, oh, come on. Nothing that's chasing you from that country has any legal claim to chase you there. You function under the law and under the jurisdiction of your country when you get there. That's what the church is supposed to be. You step, you step into the church. Yes, the physical church, but also the spiritual church. Amen? And it's an outpost. It's an embassy. And here's, here's what Jesus promised. The gates of hell cannot prevail against us. We win when we sing. We win when we sing. We win when we sing, when we praise, when we exalt, when we encounter. Do I, do I encounter first or do I exalt first? Yes. Which happens first? Yep. I don't care. Here's what I know. When I exalt him, I encounter him. And when I encounter him, I exalt him. Whichever needs to happen first today, I'm good with it. People say, what came first, chicken or the egg? I said, I don't care. They both taste good. (laughs) Let's stand to our feet. I want to ask you one question. One question. One question. That's it. One question. How's your freedom? Come on, church. How's your freedom? How's your freedom? How's your freedom? How's your freedom? You are, you are, you are free. If you belong to him, you are free. Let's just, let's just get this out of the way because I don't want to get an email about this again this week. 
If you are not in him, you are not free. Once you were not a people, now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. If you are outside of Christ, you have not received his mercy. Here's the good news of this. You can receive his mercy right now. There is no reason, there is nothing that stops you from being a recipient of the mercy of God. How do I receive it, preacher? You, you repent and you believe. It's that simple. You admit and abandon your sin, this thing that's warring against your soul. You admit it. You, you say it. You confess it. You, you admit that it's stupid. You admit that it's keeping you in bondage. You admit that you've wasted your life on it. You admit that it's, 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 its price is not worth what you get for it. Because the wages of your sin is death. And then you abandon it. You let it go. You be done with it. Whatever it takes, you let it go. Then you believe, you embrace, and you entrust your life to Jesus. You look to him for who you are. You look to him for your safety and your security. You look to him to make you stable. You look to him for the, for the, for the, for the, for the safety, for the stability, for the security that you need. And from that place of knowing who you are and from that place of knowing that you are safe, you will find the most soul-satisfying joy that you have ever dreamed of. And the Bible says that when that happens, when you repent and you believe, you go from being somebody who is not his people to instantaneously being his people. Your life is flooded with the mercies of God. And then all this stuff I talked about this morning gets to be yours. But for those that have followed him, that have gone after him, that have repented and believed, I just want to, how's your freedom? What are you using it for? What are, you, what are you doing with the freedom that you have? What are you, what are you going after? Do you know that you belong to him? Are you giving yourself to him? What else gets a part of you that shouldn't get a part of you? What addictions, what fear, what, what worry, what anxiety, what other things are creeping in to try to claim part of your spirit, part of your heart, part of your soul, part of your affection. How's your freedom? How, how, how's your song? How's your song? How's your singing? Is there a lid on it? Is it stifled? Is it limited? Is it, is it held back? Is it a performance? I feel like there's a new atmosphere of freedom, freedom coming to our church today. Not, not, because, not because you're getting free, no, but because you're recognizing, come on, that you are free. I, I think of Acts, Paul and Silas, because of their ministry of the kingdom and the gospel are thrown in prison. And because they're free, even though they're in chains, because they're free, even though they're in chains, they sing, they worship. Do you know what the Bible says happens? The ground shakes and their chains pop off and the gates swing open. Somebody here needs to know they're free 
so that you can sing, so that the chains will come off. Did you hear what I said? Somebody here needs to get that you are already free. I'm not saying sing so you can get free. I'm saying sing because you are free. And you go, preacher, I have all these chains on me. I'm still addicted to these things. I still have this behavior. I still have this bad attitude. I still have, I still have. Sing and watch the chains come in alignment with the reality that you are already free. Do you know how I know that Paul and Silas do they were free even though they were there? They were there. The chains popped off, the gate swung open, they didn't leave. That part made no sense to me when I first read it. I was like, these guys are dumb. I've been in lockup. If that door would have swung open, I'd have been hightailing it out of there. But because they were already free, it didn't matter. Come on, beloved. You're free, you're free, you're free, you're free, you're free. Worship like it. Sing like it. We're going to move to our response. Celebration, contemplation, communion. We're going to sing. Come on. We're going to sing and we're going to see the kingdom come. We're going to sing and we're going to make this place look like heaven. Which means you're going to open your mouth. You're going to use your lungs. You're going to use your voice. And if nobody around you likes it, they can go home. Because he likes it. And we're not here for the people around us. We're here for him. We're going to raise our hands. We're going to dance. We're going to worship him. We're going to honor him. We're going to do whatever he asks us to do to give him glory and honor. Amen? Because he's worthy of it. You well, I don't dance. I don't care. If he asks you to do it, you do it. Because he's in charge and you're not. These are just things preachers like to make sure we get to say once in a while. Celebration, contemplation. We're going to take some time, let the Lord point, do some work in our hearts. Amen? Show us where we're already free, but we're not living out the freedom that is ours. We're going to take communion. We're going to partake in communion. We do that through the gift given to us of communion, the broken body and the shed blood representing the bread and the cup. The tables are open to all who've put their faith or who are putting their faith in Jesus. We take by antiquation, take a piece of bread or gluten-free is on the edges, dip it in the juice and partake. If you aren't comfortable sharing a cup like this with other people. We do have little gray baskets at the back of the room that you can grab a prepackaged communion and take that. You're welcome to do that if you like styrofoam. Um, and we, we remember, come on, the broken body, the shed blood. But we also believe that there's another way that we commune. We commune one with another. So there's a team of people that gather back here at the cross. And specifically this morning, I want to challenge some of you some of you have believed the lie for so long that you're not free. I'm talking to Christians this morning. You've believed the lie for so long that you're not free that I want to encourage you to go let somebody stand with you and pray with you and declare the freedom of God over you so that the next time you hear a voice in your ear saying you're not free, you hear their voice. Come on as the voice of the Lord declaring your freedom. I know you say, well, it's awkward to get up and walk over there. I can just do it in my chair. No, you can't. Because if, 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 if that worked, it would have worked already. So let me pray and we're going to respond. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Thank you that you are a God who refuses to leave his people in bondage. Thank you that you are a God that refuses to abandon his people to anything less than the fullness of all that you have for us. 
God, thank you that you come after us even when we run from you. God, thank you that your love is given to us simply because your love is toward us. God, I ask that you would just reveal supernaturally in this moment the freedom of the people of God. The freedom of the people of God to belong to you, to be with you, to praise and honor and glorify you. Church, let's respond to the Lord.